Well, praise the Lord, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Bethel Podcast for the week of October the 13th, 2019. This is Thanksgiving week or weekend. Monday, October the 14th is Thanksgiving here in Canada. And uh, boy, I'm really blessed because I have a wife and a son who are both American and Canadian. So we celebrate both Thanksgivings, Canadian and American Thanksgiving. And uh, Thanksgiving is such an important date on our calendar. Of course, we are to give thanks to the Lord every day of our lives. We have so much to be thankful for. But to have a designated day that's just a reminder, you know, so often we can take things for granted. It's good to have a day on our calendar where we're reminded it is good to give thanks to the Lord. And uh, so this week of Thanksgiving, on these Bethel podcasts, I um, want to do a lot of interviews with people, get testimonies. And then from time to time, just bring an encouraging word or a teaching. And so I thought for this week, for the Bethel podcast, that I would do an exhortation teaching on the importance of singing. If you've been around me for any amount of time, you know that I love to sing. Uh, we love to sing. Our church, Bethel Church, is a singing church, a singing congregation. We have guests that come all the time, ministering guests, visiting guests, and one of the comments that we always get is about the worship and that the enthusiastic worship, the life of the Spirit in our worship. And we, it's because, in large part, because we have a church that enjoys singing. I grew up in the church my whole life. So my earliest memories of church, in fact, my parents, when I was, I think, even just five years of age, and of course, we had a, my dad at that time was in just a small village church, but They'd have me up there to sing a solo in church. And I remember five years of old age up on the stage singing, I am adopted. I'm a special kid, you see. Uh, my father owns a kingdom of a royal family. I'm adopted. I'm chosen. Or one of the great songs I sang when I was a child is, Born again, there's really been a change in me. Born again, just like Jesus said. Born again, and all because of Calvary. I'm glad, so glad that I've been born again. I was only five years old, six years old, but I was doing solos in church. And then as I got older, you know, that's back in the day when solos were very common, solos or duets. Every service we had to have somebody give a, a solo. So I certainly had my turn growing up over the years. And then I remember as in my teenage years, uh, being involved in different uh, singing um, events. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, being in a Youth for Christ uh, competition in Montreal, and uh, I entered as a youth talent in singing, and uh, I sang the song by the Imperials called Praise the Lord. Uh, Russ Taff sang the lead on that, and just a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to sing a duet with Russ Taff with the song Praise the Lord, and it was a really highlight to, uh, but, but back in Montreal days, this would be in the early 80s, mid-80s, uh, I was in a Youth for Christ singing competition. I sang Praise the Lord, and uh, I didn't win. There was another guy that won who uh, is actually leads orchestras uh, and, and choir presentations. He's a, an orchestra director, phenomenal musician, and, uh, but he sang a Keith Green song, and uh, he just tore it up in a good way, if you know what I mean. So anyway, singing has always been a big part of my life, and as you know here at Bethel, Oftentimes the worship leader will lead the worship, and then I'll get up and lead part two. And uh, but I love singing. There's a real importance about singing. You know, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter five, 
talking about the day in which we're living, it says, see then that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly means carefully. This is Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk carefully in this life, not as fools, but as wise. So we're called to be very mindful, careful of the way that we walk this walk, live this life, not as fools, but as wise. Now, what do the wise do? It goes on to say, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, One version puts it this way, making the most of every opportunity. Uh, So we need to be very aware of our time, how we use our time. And then it goes on, verse 17, it says, therefore, do not be unwise. So the call here of scripture is to wisdom, to walk through this life thoughtfully, intentionally, carefully, and to make the most of all of the time that we have, and not to be unwise, but in wisdom, understand what the will of the Lord is. How many people over the years have said to me, Pastor, I need to know God's will for my life? Well, friends, the Bible here tells us what God's will is for our lives. In these difficult days, the Bible calls them evil days, difficult days, he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, that you not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but rather be filled. And the word be filled there is a, is a continual verb. It means be continually filled, be being filled, be continually filled with the Spirit. And so in these difficult days, and we all have difficult days, praise God, we have many good days, and the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. Praise God, you love and serve Jesus, and you apply the Word of God to your life, you're going to have more good days than bad days, but we do have difficult days. But understand what God's will is in these challenging, stress-filled days. Don't be unwise. Don't turn to alcohol. Don't turn to drugs. Don't turn to smoking pot. Don't turn to these type of things that we're supposed to have dominion over. They're not supposed to have dominion over us, but we're to have dominion over them. But rather, I thank God today that he has given us a resource in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We can get drunk not on uh, beer or wine, but we can get drunk on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Thank God there's no hangovers. If, it's a, if there is a hangover, it's a holy hangover. Amen. But um, we can get filled with the Spirit. Now, how do you be filled with the Spirit? It goes on in verse 19 to say, speaking to one another. Amen. Speaking to one another. So we're, we're to speak to one another. And you know, you're supposed to speak to yourself. I don't think you're crazy if you talk to yourself. In fact, I would say the greatest preacher in your life is you. What are you saying to yourself? How are you talking to yourself? What are you believing? What you're saying? You know, you take a thought by saying. Jesus said, take no thought saying. You have these thoughts and you take them by declaring, by speaking them. And that's why the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. So we want to make sure that we're speaking things that are true, things that are right, things that are good. And we have all kinds of thoughts that come into our mind, but we take a thought by speaking it. And we're to speak to one another, what? In psalms, that's scripture, in hymns and spiritual songs. Amen. So it talks about songs here, but we're to talk to one another in, in, in these type of songs in scripture and talk to ourselves. In other words, there should be a melody about our lives, a melody in our communication. Our, our words should be like music to people. Amen. That's a great way to put it. Our words should be like music to people and music that they want to hear from us. And then we should talk melodically to ourselves. 
and to comfort ourselves, speaking the word of God. But speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen. And then it goes on to say, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to speak to one another, we're to sing and make melody in our hearts, and we are to always give thanks for all things. Amen. For all things. Uh, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to focus on this part today about singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Bible says that God's will for our lives in difficult times is not to be drunk with wine, but rather be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that you are filled with the Spirit is in singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen. You know, the Bible commands us to sing. Amen. The Mad Bible compels us to sing. The Holy Spirit within us desires to sing. Our spirit is a singing spirit. Amen. And so today I want to give you 23, are you ready for this? 23 Bible facts, Bible truths, 23 Bible truths about singing. We'll go through these quickly. I'll elaborate on some of them. Some I'm just going to give them to you, but you may want to write these down or, or whatever. But 23 Bible truths about singing. Amen. Here we go. Number one, God sings. Do you know that God sings? Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He, speaking of God, He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What kind of picture do you have about God in your mind? Amen. Well, if you have a true Bible picture, you have a picture of God who rejoices over you, who quiets you with his love, amen, and rejoices over you with singing. I want you to know today that music and singing is in the very nature of God. God created music. He created singing. He made you with the ability to sing. This is not of the devil. All the devil can do is pervert what God has created. But God has created music. God has created singing. And even God sings. He sings over you. He rejoices over you. Wow. With singing. I know all the times we sing unto the Lord and we come to church, but have you ever thought of the, have had this thought that God is singing over me? He's rejoicing over me with singing. He takes delight in me in singing. God sings over us. Amen. Number two, so important, singing welcomes the presence of God. Singing welcomes the presence of God. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, but you are holy, you are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, in the uh, scriptures that we have, the English translation, the word praises in the uh, Old Testament there's seven, seven different words for praise that we, um, seven different Hebrew words that we just give the one English word praise for, but all they have is different meanings. And the word praises here in the Hebrew is the word tehillah, not tequila, that's a different spirit, amen, but tehillah, and tehillah means singing, singing. 
So the, the actual translation of that verse says, you are holy, you are enthroned, amen, or you make your throne in the singing of God's people. You wonder why we sing so much, amen? Because when we sing, you know, we come to church, the first thing we do is we sing. Well, that's scriptural because the Bible says in Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. So we begin our services with singing. There's a reason for that. There's an intentionality about that. Amen. We come into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And here it says, come before him with singing. As we sing, we are creating or making a throne for God to come and dwell in. Of course, where his throne is, is where his rulership is. Where his rulership is, is where his authority is, his power. And so the power of God, the gifts of God are released in his presence. And we create that in our singing. Hallelujah. When we sing, I tell people all the time, you want to get a move of God? Amen. Get people singing. I read uh, articles today about people are not singing in church as much as they used to. Sometimes we've turned church services into more like concerts or performances, and the band has the latest song, and the and uh, they're performing, and, and we have all the lights and everything. I'm not against some of that, but I'm just saying that sometimes it becomes more of a performance, and the congregation becomes the audience. That's not how it's supposed to be in a worship service. Amen. In a worship service, there is an audience of one, God the Father, and we are all to be involved in singing. So you get the people to sing and uh, get people singing songs that exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not against certain songs that have a focus on myself. Uh, you know, it could be good to listen to in the car or just good music and exhortation for myself. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's not going to move on when I'm singing about myself. He's going to move when we sing songs that exalt Jesus Christ. So you want to move of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's come to exalt Christ. Sing and sing songs that exalt Jesus. But singing, amen. Number one, God sings. He rejoices over you with singing. Number two, singing welcomes the presence of God. Here's a third thing, Bible truth. We are to sing together with the other saints. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's that phrase. Again, we read in Ephesians, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice, we do this together in our hearts. Singing with grace in our hearts. We're to teach and admonish one another and sing with grace. So we're to sing. We can sing on our own, but we're to sing with the saints. Number four, champions in the Old Testament sang. Amen. You can go right through all the different patriarchs and different men and women that God used in the Old Testament. Amen. They sang. David, of course, is the great singer of Israel. He was the great king. And he writes in Psalm 144, verses 9 and 10, I will sing a new song to the Lord, O God. On a harp of ten-string instruments, I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Amen. David, there was a time in his life that he was being pursued in a jealous rage by uh, what would become his predecessor, King Saul, and he was seeking to kill David. 
And so David's in this crisis situation, but David overcomes. And how did he overcome? He knew how to get in the presence of God and he would sing. And he said, I will sing a new song unto you, O God. Amen. Because you give salvation. You save me. Hallelujah. You're in a difficult situation right now. Just begin to sing. Amen. Even sing a new song. Sometimes a new song can be a song you're just making up right there on the spot. Amen. Just coming out of your spirit. I just begin to sing. And God will demonstrate his salvation, his deliverance in your life. David isn't the only one. Number five, Moses understood the heart about singing. It says in Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. This, of course, is just after they've come out of Egyptian bondage. They've crossed the Red Sea, and they witnessed as the Egyptians attempt to cross that Red Sea on dry, well, on dry ground, but then the Lord caused the waters to cave in on them, and they were drowned. And so what did all of Israel do when they saw this great deliverance and victory and how their enemy was destroyed? They began to sing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, amen, my enemy has been thrown into the sea. They sang the victory, amen. I know sometimes we go to sports events. I was just at a Toronto FC match, uh, obviously in Toronto, and uh, and the, the home team won, and there's a whole section of people just singing because the enemy... I uh, can't remember the team they played against, but anyway, the team was defeated and the home team won. Something about singing. Amen. Well, number six, singing was an essential part of battle in the Old Testament. We have the great story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 of King Jehoshaphat, who was surrounded by three enemy nations, and he didn't know what to do. And at first he he feared, but then he sought, he, he, he sought to seek the Lord. And um, he uh, got in the presence of God, and the word of the Lord came to him. And the Bible says in verse 21 of Second Chronicles 20, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord. So this is a battle strategy. Amen. This is a natural physical war. Obviously, God is going to do something supernatural here, but a natural physical battle. And he's appointing not just soldiers. In fact, he appointed the choir or singers first. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise in the beauty of holiness. And the singers went out before the army, and they were saying, Praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. So they went out first with song. Amen. And that's a good lesson for us. We go forth. The first thing we do is we sing unto the Lord. Amen. Singers were an essential part of battle in the Old Testament. Number seven, singers were often the reason for victories against the enemies of God. Same story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 with King Jehoshaphat. It says in verse 22, When they began to sing and to praise the Lord, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Notice when the enemy was defeated. When the people began to sing and to praise. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart that we come together and we begin to sing that our enemies are pushed back. The enemies of God are pushed back. Our enemies are defeated when we begin to sing. The Lord can send confusion 
Amen to the camp of our enemy. Number eight, anointed music causes evil spirits to leave. The story is given in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, when David would play the harp. It says that, and so it was, whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hands, or with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Notice, as David began to play music, and no doubt there was some singing involved, but he played the harp, he played it under an anointing. You know, there's a big difference in just playing music or singing and having that touch of God on the song, having the anointing. And as David began to play under the anointing, the distressing spirit in Saul would leave. Amen. How many times people come into our services and they have a distressing, oppressive spirit, but when they get in that presence of God, when they get into worship, amen, as the people begin to sing, as there's anointed music, those distressing, oppressive spirits must leave. Amen. You know, I always think about this. Great healing ministries have always emphasized singing. Always. Amen. Uh, my, I think of Catherine Coleman, who very much had a singing ministry about her, or people would sing. She wasn't so much of a singer, but a lot of music, and in that music and in the anointing, people would be healed. Amen. My good friend Ted Shuttlesworth always sings, and uh, when the power of God comes, and uh, sometimes he'll call somebody out, and then he'll go into a song for a few moments, and then and then release the, the gift of faith and the working of miracles. And uh, he often talks to us about miracle music. And some of it's a style, but, but it's, um, music is so important. And great healing ministries have always emphasized singing and anointed music. Number nine, speaking about anointed music, number nine, anointed music releases the prophetic word of God. Amen. You know, even for the Lord to move. Now, nothing hinders the Lord, of course, but... Creating the atmosphere that attracts the presence of God, and in that atmosphere of worship and praise, that's where the word of the Lord can spring forth. Amen. Many times I need a word from the Lord, and I just have to begin to praise God, begin to pray in the Spirit, begin to sing. And as I sing and make melody in my heart, and I get in the presence of God, I feel God starting to make his throne in my heart and my life. I'm building that throne for him to come and, and uh, be in my heart and life. Amen. Then all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes forward. This, this happened to Elisha, 2 Kings 3, verse 14. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician... And it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him and Elisha said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. In other words, the prophetic word of the Lord was released. Amen. But the atmosphere of worship and music and singing had to be created. Why so many times we'll come to an end of a service and we'll say, when the musicians come and begin to play, Amen. We're creating an atmosphere. Now, we don't want to manipulate just in the emotion realm, but there is a place of creating the atmosphere that brings about the presence of God. So that's so very, very important. Of course, advertisers will use music 
in a way to, to manipulate. And uh, we're not called to manipulate, but we are called to create an atmosphere which brings God's presence. All right, let's move on. Number So anyway, music, worship can bring the prophetic word, the word of the Lord. Number 10, we're called to sing. In fact, we're commanded to sing. We're called to sing regardless of what is going on around us. Story is given in Acts chapter 10, verse 16. It says at midnight, verse 25, at midnight, darkest time, Paul and Silas were praying. So Paul and Silas are in a Philippian prison house, falsely put there, falsely arrested, put in prison. But what were they doing? Praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> in other words, they weren't just making melody in their heart. They were singing, and the prisoners were, heard, were, were listening to them, heard them. Amen. So here they are in the most darkest moment, most challenging circumstance. They've just been beaten, just been put in prison. This is no Holiday Inn. This is a, a dark dungeon cell. They're in a real bad situation. What do they do? They begin to pray and sing hymns to God. Begin to sing. Well, amen. What do you do in your dark moment? What do you do when you're in crises? What do you do when the, the word comes and it's stressful and you're under great stress? What do you do? I tell you, God has given you a release valve called your mouth, amen, to begin to sing in moments like that. Praise God. I tell you, you just, I, I, I sing in my car. I sing at home. I, uh, I, I sing many places, but uh, sometimes I'll go for a drive and I'm working through a situation. I'll begin to sing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will say, how great. You're the name above all names. I'll begin to sing, presence of God will come. That distressing spirit will leave. Amen. And you got to choose to sing, even sometimes when you don't feel like singing. Even in the most darkest times. You know, Jesus, the Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 30, uh, when he was with his disciples at the time of the Last Supper, and he's about to go to the cross, about to go to Gethsemane and pray that prayer, Lord, I don't want this to happen, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But before he did, when he concluded that Last Supper, the Bible says, and they sang a hymn, Jesus sang a hymn, and then he went to the Mount of Olives. In his most distressing time that he was facing, Jesus sang. He sang a hymn. We actually know what hymn he sang. It was Psalm 118, because it was part of the Passover um, meal. They'd sing the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 118, I think 116, 17, 18 is the Messianic Psalms. What is one of the verses in Psalm 118? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Wow. And then he sings, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And then he goes on, save now, O Lord. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are the words that Jesus sang just before he went to Gethsemane, to his trial, to the cross. And so in the darkest moment, amen. What's Jesus doing? He's singing. What's he singing? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I make a choice to rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So sing regardless of whatever's going around you. Number 11, your singing can affect nature itself. Back to the story of Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail in Acts chapter 16. 
They're singing. They're praising God. The prisoners are listening to them. And what happens? There's suddenly, verse 26, Acts 16, suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Oh, hallelujah. I, I got to stop and preach here for a minute or two. Amen. Everyone's chains were loosed. I want you to get that. First of all, their singing affected something in the supernatural realm that in turn changed something in this natural realm. I want you to get this principle. Amen. It's so important. When you do something that's in alignment with the word of God and the vision of God and the purpose of God, the spirit of God, Jesus said, uh, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. When you do something that's in the spirit and in Bible truth, amen, what were they doing? They were praying and singing songs to God. When you sing in spirit and in truth, it affects things in the spirit realm, amen, that then in turn changes things back in this natural realm. Praise God. And so here they're singing this jail. I can just see Paul singing the lead. Uh, Silas it says, boy, I'll join you, Paul. He throws in a tenor part. They've got a duet. The prisoners are listening to them. And then God says, I love this song so much. I think I'll throw in a third part. I'll sing the bass. And God sang bass so low. I like to put it this way. Here's your first recorded uh, recording of Jailhouse Rock because God sent an earthquake. Amen. Rock that prison house. And the foundations were shaken. And it doesn't say that just Paul and Silas's chains got loosed. It says everyone in that prison house. This is a supernatural miracle of God. Not just that there was an earthquake. Amen. But everyone's chains were loosed. Everyone's chains. Because of the singing of two people. Amen. I like to think God was making it a trio because God sings. But just two people. What happens in our church services? What happens? Amen. We gather together in a small group and we're having and we sing praises to God. You know, we might have people come into our services and they're bound by alcohol, bound by drugs, bound by pornography, bound by uh, addictions. Amen. Bound by a depressing, oppressive, distressing spirit. And I tell you, we begin to sing and praise God. We're creating that atmosphere. We're, we're making a throne for God to come and sit where his rule and his power and his authority is in his kingdom. Amen. And, and praise God, not just our chains, but everyone's chains, everyone's bondages. Amen. Wouldn't it be beautiful? I believe it could happen someday that everybody gets healed in the presence of God because of our worship to the Lord. Amen. When Paul and Silas sang, they got into agreement. Bible says, if any two or three of you shall touch and agree as anything, it shall be done for them. They get an agreement. They begin to sing and praise God, create that atmosphere. God sends an earthquake and everyone's chains were loosed. Amen. Singing can affect nature itself. Number 12, singing can cause the enemy to become so discouraged and decide to move away from you. So it says in same story, Acts 16, 27, the keeper of the prison... This is the prison guard, the one who was holding them captive. He woke from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Amen. And so this prison guard who was keeping them, actually keeping them illegally, whether he knew it or not, I don't know, but he was keeping them because later it came out that they understood that Paul was a Roman citizen. I don't think they knew that because then they were terrified and they knew that he had been arrested I illegally. But anyway, um, he, 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 he withdrew. He, was, he became so discouraged. I'm telling you, 
whoever's keeping you in bondage. We know it is the devil. He can get so discouraged that you're praising God that he, he has to flee from you. The Bible says submit to God. When you submit to God as you begin to open your spirit and worship him, resist the devil. You resist the devil by worshiping God. Resist that, that stress. Resist that, that distressing spirit. Begin to worship God and what? And the devil will flee from you. Number 13, your singing can be the turning point in someone's salvation. Amen. It says in Acts 16, verse 29, 30, then he called for a light and ran in and fell down. This is the prison keeper, the keeper of the prison. He ran in, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Praise God. You know, I believe that when people experience the presence of God, it becomes a natural question. What do I do to be saved? I feel God. We can argue all day, and there's a place for good apologetics and for reasoning, but still at the end of the day, people have to experience the presence of God. And as we create that atmosphere, through our singing, people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're doing 23 Bible truths about the importance of singing. We're on number 14. We're told to sing to God so that the world may know him and his glory. Psalm 96, 2-5, sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples, for the Lord is great, amen, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Notice it starts with the words, sing to the Lord and bless his name, and proclaim the good news of his salvation. Well, we're to sing the good news of our salvation. We're to sing it and proclaim it. It's not exactly the same thing. There's a place for singing, a place for preaching. Amen. But even in our singing, we can proclaim the news of his salvation. We're to sing for the glory of his name. Number 15, sing your thanksgiving because of his blessings. Here we are, Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving week. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to give thanks. Well, we're to sing our thanks over his blessings. Psalm 13, verse 6. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, when I get a little bit discouraged, I get a little bit depressed, I get a little bit of pity party, I just have to start thinking about how the Lord has been so good to me. And when I do, it causes me to want to sing. I will sing to the Lord for he has has dealt bountifully, hallelujah, with me. I'm getting blessed here already. Number 16, sing because you recognize the victory God has given you. Psalm 98 verse 1, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and holy arm have gained him the victory. Amen. We sing in the battle, even before the battle, But then we also sing recognizing the victory that God has given us. I tell you what, here's a little secret. You can sing the victory even before the battle's over. Praise God because the Bible says God's word to Jehoshaphat was, you don't even have to fight in this battle, but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then the instruction was, just get the singing out. Just get the singers out. Amen. So we are to sing in recognition of the victory that God has given And praise God, you always have a reason to sing because Jesus has given us the victory, amen, through his cross. 
Number 17, we're to sing in celebration. Celebration. Psalm 98, verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Amen. Break forth. Rejoice. You know, we're commanded to rejoice. We're commanded to sing. God wants us celebrating people. Amen. I don't go for depression, depressing services, and uh, I like songs where, amen, I don't mind certain slow songs and worship songs. It's beautiful, and there's a time to be get into just a place in the Lord where we just sing softly or maybe it's a bit quiet, but I'm telling you, we're, we are commanded to open up our mouths and sing in celebration with rejoicing. Amen. Number 18, we're to sing the word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 54, Your statutes, or your word, has been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Amen. Right in my house. So important. I love all these new songs. Amen. But it's also good just to sing the word of God. Maybe even take your Bible someday and find a few scripture verses, find a psalm, and just begin to sing it. Make your own melody. Amen. Who knows? Maybe you'll you'll make a hit song. Amen. Right out of the scripture, right out of the word of God. Sing the word of God. Find songs that are about the word of God, that have the word of God in it. Sing those songs. Amen. Be careful. I'll just say this. Be careful what songs you sing. Even so-called some church songs are dumb songs. Amen. Some of them lack faith. Some of them uh, aren't faith songs at all. Some of them, um, they're not really true to the word of God. Make sure that the songs that you're singing are true to God's word and not just some dumb song someone wrote someday all about trials and depression. You know, some of these songs that come out of, uh, you know, uh, I remember I was given a whole list of songs, um, given some songs possibly to record and Man, every song was how bad it was, trials and tribulations, but the Lord is there. Amen. I said, I can't sing any of these songs. Amen. Because we're to sing in celebration. We're to sing in victory. We're to sing in faith. Amen. Sing songs that are going to build you up, not bring you down. Some songs today, you sing them and you, you, you're you more depressed afterward. Amen. That's not the goal of God. Sing God's word. Amen. Number 19, and sing songs that are true to God's word. So number, number 19, sing a new song to the Lord. Oh, sing the Lord a new song. Sing the Lord all the earth. Amen. It's important that our relationship with God, it's fresh. Now, praise God, there's songs that, that we know from our past. We have testimonies of them. Certain songs that I can think of, like the song, How Great Is Our God. That song, I have a history with that song. I have moments where God did something and moved. And when I sing it, it brings back memories of God's past blessings in my life. But praise God, I can't just be camped on old songs. Thank God for old songs. Thank God for hymns and for doctrinal songs that we can sing that are so foundational. But there's some times you've got to have a freshness in your walk with the Lord, and that's where you sing a new song to the Lord. And we always need to be embracing new songs. Amen. Sing to the Lord a new song. Number 20. Sing to make God's faithfulness known to future generations. Amen. Psalm 89, verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. 
So important to have your children in the house of God. So important to have children in the house of worship. That's why every month we have all the kids in a worship service so that they get uh, used to and, and understand uh, the, the environment of worship, amen, in our services. And we sing to make known to other generations to come the faithfulness of God. Number 21, amen, we're doing 23 Bible truths about singing. We're almost done. Number 21, sing in your prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with my understanding. In the Spirit means pray in tongues. Amen. I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray in tongues. I'll pray with my understanding. Amen. Then he goes on, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Amen. Singing in the Spirit. Again, Jesus said, the Father is looking at those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. That's in the Spirit, by the Spirit. Amen. In the Spirit. And, uh, and then in truth, without pretense, without pretending, in honesty, true to God's Word, in the truth of God's Word. All those things apply. But here in the context of 1 Corinthians 14, he's talking about the operation of the gifts. He's talking this is about tongues. And he says, I will sing with my understanding, but I will sing in the Spirit. Singing in tongues. Amen. We do that in our church. We're not ashamed, amen, of the Holy Spirit. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the gift of God. And we sing in the Spirit. I'm telling you, there are mysteries in the Spirit that you can tap into. And when you pray in tongues and when you sing in tongues, Amen. Your mind is unfruitful, but you need to ask the Lord, Lord, give me ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And I, I know as I've developed this in my own life, as I'm praying in tongues or singing in tongues, sometimes thoughts will come to my mind. Sometimes I know it's, it's, it's not of the Lord. It's not necessarily of the devil, but it might be just be something natural, but I'll just dismiss that. But I just say, Lord, give me ears to hear. And then all of a sudden, things will come into my mind, sermons, uh, scriptures, uh, someone I need to make contact with to pray for someone. And I just begin to focus there and I feel the unction of it. And time has borne out uh, that over that many, many times something was happening as I was praying in the Spirit and the Lord was bringing understanding to me. So sing in the Spirit. Sing with your understanding. Amen. Sing in your prayer language. Number 22, sing of God's redemption in your life. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, for you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and made us uh, kings and priests unto our God, and we'll, we shall reign on the earth. Notice, they sang a new song, saying, so they didn't just say this, they're singing this. Amen. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain. Amen. And you have redeemed us to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sing about our redemption. Amen. For, the, for it reaches, I think of that Andre Crouch song, the blood that Jesus shed for me, way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. For it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Amen. Amen. We sing of our redemption. It gives us confidence. Praise God. And then lastly, number 23, 
We've made it. 23 Bible truths. Here we are, number 23. We don't just sing here on the earth, but one day we're going to sing in heaven. Amen. Number 23, we will sing in heaven. Again, Revelation 5, 9, and 10, the same scripture. This is up in heaven when they're singing this. They sang a new song, You Have Redeemed Us. Boy, that's going to be a great song to hear. I think of some of the beautiful songs that we sing today. Jesus, what a beautiful name it is. Amen. What a, what a powerful name it is. How great is our God. Beautiful song. Amen. That song about, uh, um, about the chasm that lay between us. Uh, your buried body began to breathe. Amen. And uh, then it goes on. I can't remember the words now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Jesus Christ. There it is. Our living hope. Powerful song that we're singing. I will build my life upon your love. It is a sure foundation. Tremendous songs. I thank God I can come. First of all, I can do it every day. Amen. But I can come every week to the house of God and join others and sing. What a blessing that we can come every week and take a good half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes longer, and sing of the goodness of God. Sing our thanksgiving. Sing our praise. And the Lord comes and dwells among that praise. And one day we're going to sing in heaven. This is the point I was going to make. Think of all these beautiful songs that we've been singing here on the earth, but there's going to be a new song in heaven. Boy, if we had an advanced copy, we'd make millions of dollars, I'm sure, in royalties. Amen. But no one knows it yet, but when we get to heaven, we're going to sing this new song that says, you have redeemed us by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. I'm sure it's going to be a multinational, multi-language song we're going to sing in heaven. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, singing is important. Praise God. You were created to sing. You've been commanded to sing. Amen. 23 Bible facts about singing. Number one, God sings. Number two, singing welcomes the presence of God. Number three, we are to sing together with other saints. Number four, champions in the Old Testament sang. Number five, Moses understood the heart of God about singing. Number six, singers were an essential part of battle in the Old Testament. Number seven, singers were often the reason for victories against the enemies of God. Number eight, anointed music caused evil spirits to leave. Number nine, anointed music and singing releases the prophetic word of God. Number ten, we are to sing regardless of what's going on around us. Amen. Number 11, singing can affect nature itself. It can change things in your natural world. Number 12, sing to cause your enemy to become discouraged and move away from you. Like the devil will flee from you when you submit to God, when you sing to God. Amen. The devil will flee. Number 13, your singing can be a turning point in someone's salvation. Number 14, sing to God so the world will know him and you sing for his glory. Sing to proclaim his glory. Number 15, sing your thanksgiving because of his abundant blessings. Number 16, sing because you recognize the victory God has given you. Number 17, sing in celebration. Number 18, sing the word of God. Number 19, sing a new song to the Lord. Number 20, sing to make God's faithfulness known to future generations. 
Number 21, sing in your prayer language. Sing in tongues. Number 22, sing of God's redemption in your life. And number 23, amen. One day we're all going to sing around the throne of God in heaven a song of redemption, a song of victory, a song of our salvation. Praise God. You were created to sing. Amen. You say, Pastor Tim, I'm not a very good singer. Well, amen. Then you can make a joyful noise. Amen. If you're not much of a singer, then get people around you. Get music around you. Listen to music where people are singing the praises of God. Everybody loves good music. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what kind of songs you're putting into your heart and spirit. Amen. You know, sometimes with our moods, our moods can be affected by music. Sometimes we get in a mood and we're looking for music to feed that mood. We need to let music change our moods, amen, and get anointed worship music that gets you out of the depths of despair and into the presence of God. And so today and this week, as we focus on being thankful, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Let's be a singing people. I pray Bethel Church will always be a singing church. Amen. We love to sing the praises of God. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. Praises to your name. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Make sure you make some time today to sing praises to the Lord.